everybody. Welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. And I'm your Romance Elbow veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hello, Aaron. How's it going? Good. Slept through my alarm again. You did. You did. It's becoming it's a okay. pattern. I think you need a louder alarm. Yes. I think I need to go to bed earlier and have a louder alarm. Those are the what two things. What time do you go to bed now? Well, I didn't go to bed last night till later. I think I, f- I, I, I fell asleep at one, but I was, I, I was up late doing something. Oh, I had a recording. Yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like I'm cheating on this podcast, but I, <laughs> I, I was on a different uh, show. Um, uh, I don't. We don't have know. anything up top. We're both very excited because we have. We're leaving for vacation tomorrow. Yes, yes. There's excitement in the air. And you know what else is exciting is new mm-hmm. Patreon subscribers. Yes. It's insane that there's still new people who sign <laughs> up. We so appreciate it. We've got two new patrons. Zoe Andraska, thank you so much. And Melissa Negro. Amazing. Thank you. For joining the pa- Patreon, it's it's it is it's just mind blowing. Uh, it's you guys are so supportive. It's it's so nice, and uh, we're glad that we do something that you enjoy enough to be a patron for. And so this week we read a book that Clayton chose from our Facebook troop. Um, where he put out a call for biggie authors. And I guess biggie is whatever you want it to mean. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. you suggested, you guys suggested a, a ton of like really phenomenal books that we will 100% be going back to that list and choosing from that list in the future. Um, but Clayton uh, picked the first book from this list. Clay, do you want to say what it was? Yes. Morning Glory by Laverle Spencer. Mm-hmm. And I pronounced that correctly because one of the troopers, Katina, let me know that the second syllable l- rhymes with Merle. Mm-hmm. So that's how I remember. And thank you so much. I always need help with pronunciation, and it's great to get it. So little shout out to one of the troopers. Nice. So let's... Jump into judging these covers, because I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about with the book. Oh, yeah. So, (laughs) uh, yeah. So let me get that up. I'm completely scattered everywhere. This is what happens when you sleep past your alarm. You don't feel right for the rest of the day. Yes. Okay. So this book was, it looks like what we've got is hardcover from 1989 which it has Laverle Spencer, Morning Glory, super huge, mm-hmm. and then flowers on the front. And it's Morning pink. Glories, yeah. Morning Glories. It's And it looks like pink, a pink like doily, a white doily on a pink background. I love the first edition of this book. If I yeah. ever came across this first edition, I would grab it. I think it's I think there's something like really fun and kitschy about it and yeah i love it 
I can picture this book existing in the world. Just like <laughs> that it's a hardcover. Mm-hmm. I can I can imagine the dust cover and what it looks like. And this just looks like a book that I would have just not even looked at before mm-hmm. this podcast. Like if I was going through a bin at Strand, I would just go past it. But now if I found that, I would flip out. <laughs> I hope if you ever find this in a bin at Strand, you would buy it for me. Oh, 100%. Or for yourself, I guess. But I, yeah, now it, it, there's something about it that I, is just like really appealing to the eye. I love the first edition. Mm-hmm. But then we have the paperback. And this, I think, was, no, this wasn't on my Kindle, but... And that is also Laverell Spencer, Morning Glory. You see Ellie um, is sitting on a porch and there's flowers all around her. Her back is to us. I think that's like a perfectly nice cover too. Yes. Yeah. I like it. It definitely Mm -hmm. feels of the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do enjoy that one. The one I had on my Kindle was the 2009 edition. Mm -hmm. That is a little, it it looks a little, I like it, but it's odd. I agree. It, it's Laverle Spencer, her name, Morning Glory, down at the bottom. And then it's, it, it looks like, a, I, I'm so bad because my eyes are so bad at this point. But can you describe this cover, Aaron? It's like grass up to a white door and then there's just like morning glory is like spilling over the frame of the door and a big bush next to the door. So you can like, the door is kind of obstructed. But the problem is, is that it's a, the picture is washed out. The writing is in white. So it's not, it doesn't like pop. It doesn't, it just doesn't do it the way that I think like the original is really fun in that like the colors are so bright, but I will say I don't know that the original cover really translates what the book is. And the one that I think does that the best is the 1991 paperback, which is the white background with the black writing and you see Ellie on the porch. I think that is the one that's most most emblematic of the book. Um, yeah. This Morning Glory, it just doesn't, it seems like it's just not, there wasn't a lot of thought put into it. And then. It, yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel romance. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. romance to me. It feels more of what it what it is if it was just a straight kind of the 1940s on a farm book that wasn't romance you know it, yeah. it feels novelistic this that cover as opposed to something that is more romancy like the original yeah and there's something about it that makes it feel like it would be an inspirational book too like religious, you know? I could see that. I could see yeah. that. And then the paperback from 2009, again, it's pretty washed out. It looks like a watercolor mm-hmm. of the the farm house. Yeah. yeah. Which is blue. I, like the, I mean, it's I, fine. Yeah, I like the blue sky. It's nice. Mm-hmm. It's appealing. But again, it feels like kind of washed out. Yeah. All right. So, Clayton, what was this book about? Okay. This book is about 
Will Parker, who was a vagrant who ends up going to Eleanor Ellie Parker's, well, now Parker, spoiler, (laughs) Dinsmore's farm because she put an ad looking for a husband. And he's an ex-con, and he gets fired from every job, and he, he drifts around. And somebody mockingly says, oh, you should go check in on her. She's looking for a husband. Maybe she'll take an ex-con. And he goes, and she does. And <laughs> they grow fond of each other. They fall in love. And then he goes to war. And then he gets he gets a, a set up for the death of Lula Peak, who we'll talk a lot about, <laughs> but is acquitted. Yes. That's a plotty summary, but there's so much more. Okay, so I didn't I, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to you about this book. I love this book. Yes. Like, I think this is a top five romance that I've read. Wow. Yeah. I was phenomenal. Enamored. I was so, I devoured this book Mm -hmm. in a way that I rarely. Yeah. In a way that I rarely do. And the only reason being is because. We're busy, right? I'm busy. You're busy. I love reading these books, but sometimes it's I got to set aside time specifically for it. This I was, no, everything else can kind of take a backseat. I'm reading Morning Glory. Wow. Yeah, I thank everybody on the troop who uh, recommended this and I it's it's one of those times where I'm so happy that this community and this podcast is in my life because I wouldn't have been able to experience morning glory without them. I agree. This book was so interesting to me because I read it originally, like I said, like probably five years ago or so a while ago. Um, And I had the same experience where I just fell into this book and didn't want to do anything else. It was hard because this weekend I was like at with my nieces and running around and doing chores and stuff. But this is one of those books that like, oh, I have five minutes while my coffee is brewing and nobody's around me. I'm going to read this book. And I came home and Ellie was about to give birth. (laughs) And I was like, I gotta, I gotta get to my book. I got, my people are waiting for me. And I tore through it for hours and it was so enjoyable and I loved it so much. But the thing that was so interesting to me is then I got to the end, you know, I finished the book, bereaved, so sad, want to stay with these people forever. What are they up to now? But I um, saw that the first time I read it, I had given it three stars which I'm like, whoa, what was I smoking? What was that? What was I thinking? And it really sort of solidified the idea for me of 
the importance of reading these books and the energy that you bring to the book. Because I feel like this is a book that I really needed to read now and so deeply connected with me. And I agree. I would say this is like a top 10 romance novel for me. It's 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 phenomenal. And I think at the time I was just in a different headspace and it didn't connect with me the same. So I think it just really underlines the thing that we say in this podcast all the time, which is like, if the two of us don't like a book and you do, it's not that anybody is wrong or right. It just kind of everybody experiences the book in their own way and comes to these books with their own energy. And um, I'm so grateful that I reread this book. It felt new to me. There was a lot I didn't remember. But I think with the first time I read it, I didn't know about the trial at the end. And I think I was like, what the hell? They've been through so much. And now there's a trial. And I think it made me really angry. <laughs> but um, I now was reading so it was so different. Mad. Yeah. <laughs> when that happened, I was so when when the sheriff shows up at their house, I was so mad. Like this is a book that I cried. You did? And, and we'll get to because I'm not sure if it's on the is is it on the Goodreads list that this is a one that makes jerks you cry the tears right out of you. Yeah, jerks definitely. The tears right. Okay, so we'll get to where I was jerked where the tears were jerked out of me later. But this was a roller coaster experience because you start with Will who has green apples for lunch, stole buttermilk, and everybody else is eating sandwiches, stomping on sandwiches that their wives made that they don't like because there's not mustard on them. Just horrible shit he has to sit through. He stole his 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 outfit off the the line that somebody was drawing it on. And he's putting in a hard day's work. Foreman comes over, says, we found out that you killed a prostitute and you got to go. And you're th- I'm thinking, because I, I knew, I, you know, I knew the premise of this book. I knew that that was in his past. It's later revealed that he did it to try to save his buddy it was an accident and his buddy ended up in court fingering him anyway because he was in love with her and it was just awful but he did still throw a bottle at a woman and kill her so that is something obviously yeah that's bad and the way he treats lula also is worrisome in how I know he loves Ellie and I know he doesn't want to get wrapped up in an affair. But when she comes to the library, he like manhandles her a lot and he yells at her. It's like he's a scary person when he's around somebody that he doesn't want to have sex with. (laughs) Or I mean, well, he murdered the woman because she had a gun on his. That's true. She had a gun. Shoot him. And so he threw a bottle. I think it I think it also seems like it was just like in the heat of the moment. And I don't think he I think had he known it would kill her, he would not have done it. But I think he did it to like get her to not shoot his friend. And it just he threw so a happened. bottle. 
she mm-hmm. hit her head and f- she, it hit her and she fell and hit her head and that's how she yeah. died. So yeah. it was a yeah, it was a it's a it was an accident purely. But he does yeah. have an he does have an anger issue like uh, with Lula. Like I, I was especially the last time she comes after the war. He throws her around. Like yeah. she's not looked at in a very sympathetic way, but we'll get to her because she's not a main character in this. The main characters yeah. are Will and Ellie, and the reason I love this book so much is because Will is a guy who was an orphan, never had a place to call his own, never had anybody to say he was a good guy, that he was uh, worth anything, and he finds worth with a ba- basically a shut-in who was raised in a very religious house where she was locked up along with her mom because her mom had her out of wedlock. The father was a religious zealot who ended up being in bed with some with somebody that he shouldn't have been in bed with. And uh, that just destroyed the family and everybody died after that. Yeah. Uh, and then she was set free by marrying her original husband, who she didn't really love, but was the only person who was nice to her. And the way these two lonely people build a life together and the way Will finds pride in fixing up this farm and this all this space that went to shit and how he gets a job working at the library for Miss Beasley and gets pride in that. It's just this, these simple things that made him into a... a made him into a guy that was happy with his life and proud of himself really hit me very hard Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, everybody is someone like Will. I think somebody who maybe needs some love, maybe needs some encouragement, needs a purpose, needs something, needs people around him to build a community where he's being, he or she is being loved, but also contributing, right? It's such a basic mm-hmm. human thing that we seem to not focus on because there's so many distractions, right? Uh, no, I agree. I think that's the part. And and the first half of the book is them, each of them has feelings for the other one, like fairly quickly but then each of them feels like their own struggles so profoundly with their own self-worth that the idea of kind of making that first move feels so impossible for both of them. That scene in bed where they f- do get married because originally it was she was having him sleep out with the mule <laughs> and then they eventually agree like we should get married and the first night that they're sleeping in bed and their their thoughts about each other and themselves where i'm unlovable why would mm-hmm. he why would he why would she i loved that scene so much mm-hmm. this book has so many things that i normally would hate in a book the kids are very prominent in this book because she has two kids already she has donald and thomas 
And she's got another one on the way who ends up being Lizzie, a daughter, which they're happy about. I mean, they'd be happy for anybody, but it's nice that it's a girl because that's what mm-hmm. she wanted. And the kids are pretty prominent in this book. And I normally don't like that, but I like this because when they start bonding with him, the kids, and when they give him a kiss good night, the feeling he gets from that is so heartbreaking because he's never experienced that before. He's he's experiencing all these things for the first time, and we're really in his head for it. And I just loved that. I just loved how vulnerable he was. He was he ended up being very vulnerable with her, which I think was interesting because he was such a closed-lipped kind of guy. And I do think there's a bit of the romantic fantasy going on here where a guy like that would eventually just gush and gush. But I do think that it works because you need to have that in a book in order for these characters to bond and to show that he is like a very sensitive guy underneath. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times people who are overly quiet tend to be very sensitive people. You know, I think there's a reason why they shy from the world. And I think it's because they feel things very deeply, you know, that's Um, me. (laughs) And I think the thing with the kids in the book, I agree, where it's like sometimes kids are just not utilized correctly or they're just a plot point in a way that feels tacked on. And I would say the thing that's good about this book is like the children are so necessary to Will's experience of Ellie and of creating this home that if she didn't have children, the book would be so completely different Mm -hmm. because in a way, Will is able to open up to Donald Wade and to baby Thomas in a way that he can't to Ellie because like children, you just have to be open with them. You just have to be honest with them. And, you know, Donald Wade immediately starts following him around and he loves it. And I think Ellie falls in love with him partly because of the way that he is with her children. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He immediately takes them on as his responsibility, as his kids. Like there's never a moment of him being like, well, they're not my kids, like whatever. He's always like, no, they're my responsibility and, and treats them, you know, like that in a way that I think is like really beautiful. And I think means so much to Ellie as a child who was like forgotten and locked away. Something else that I love about this book is how it really shows that like within how much of of romance is about community and how this book couldn't end with the two of them being happy and in love, but still isolated. They needed to become integrated into the community in order for the book to feel complete because I feel like romance and love is about expansion is and is about bringing other people in. So, you know, by the end of the book, sort of what will by being arrested kind of forces Ellie to do. Uh, and it, it starts when he goes away to war and 
he forces her to come out of her shell a little bit by going to different people and saying, like, you need to go visit her. You need to go visit her. But then also when he's arrested, you know, she has to meet people in the town, which is like the most terrifying thing to her. She has to, like, talk to a lot of people. And through that, they're able to build a really strong community, the two of them, which I think is 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 so important, too. And you can see how their kids are going to have different lives than they did. And that's why, yeah, it's because they're both pariahs, he mm-hmm. being an ex-con and her being somebody who is looked at as weird because she was locked away. And the only reason she ended up going to school was because the truancy officers came by and said, hey, you have a kid in there. They got to go to school. And she didn't know how to socialize. She would get really loud very quickly and then get quiet. And she was always looked at as odd. And Mm so once she got married, she kind of just hold herself up in this old place. And it's a testament to the power of this book and the writer that when he gets arrested and she has to go to town because she doesn't go to town, she never likes to go to town, and it's a triumphant moment when she packs up the car and she drives into town, I was cheering because <laughs> I was like, that's right, that's what you got to do. Because earlier also, she got on a train to Atlanta, I believe, right, to meet him halfway during his he he got 48 hours to on to, uh for leave mm-hmm. and they meet at a hotel and they get burgers and bring them home and they have sex and and the baby's with them Lizzie's with them but Lizzie is quiet like she's she knows she she takes a little <laughs> snooze during the 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 good parts <laughs> and i just love that when he through Mrs. Beasley was like I don't know. I, I, she doesn't have a phone. I need you to go tell her, meet me here. And he's so nervous she's not going to come. And they meet, and it's just so amazing. But then that dread happens where, like, if you've ever had a long-distance relationship where when you first see them, you're so excited for the time you have with them. And then that moment hits where it's like, we're going to have to say goodbye. And you mm-hmm. just dread it and dread it. And there's a there's this sense of dread also with the war that is eminent because we know where that U.S. is going to go to war and everybody in the book kind of knows too. But as soon as it happens, it changes everybody's life. And we we know that Will is going to either get drafted or he's going to sign up because a lot of people signed up and he he gets drafted and he goes into the Marines but he chooses the Marines. He chooses the Marines over just taking his chances, which is something that Ellie doesn't like because she is afraid he's going to go to the front line, which he does. And But we see why he does it, and she kind of understands why he does it because he wants the pride of it. He wants to say, listen, I went and I was a Marine, and people like, Harvey Overmeyer, who cut off their trigger finger to stay away from the army and the military, I'm better than them. Mm-hmm. They look down on me and I'm better. Now, here's the thing about this book. 
I love it despite its faults. And some of its faults are now, like, people do hate when, when, when you look at something in the context of now. But I think we do have to for a moment here just because there is this thought drilled into our head, this dream, this American dream drilled into our head that you work hard, you provide for your family, you, you know, you join the military, you defend your country and your life will be good because you earned it. And that was a myth and it's always been a myth and it's perpetuated by stories like this and i think we're now figuring out that this is to take nothing away from people who've served in the military take nothing away from people who work hard every day but the way the system has become is that that's how they kind of hook you into working until you die you know but Within this book and within this narrative, the way Will feels about a hard day's work, about being a janitor at the library and getting a pair of keys, getting the trust of a pair of keys, serving his country, protecting his country, the way he feels about it makes me feel good for him because he believes it. He's a good hearted guy. And these are things that are giving him pride. And I think in the context of this book, you can root for all of these things. In a larger world kind of thing, it's hard for me to then be like, yeah, like if I work hard and all this stuff, things will happen for me. Because it's, it's, it is kind of a fallacy. Yes. And I think just over time, the, that myth has, has only grown and become more difficult. I think for Will getting the keys from Mrs. Beasley and getting to stay with Ellie. And then obviously later when he joins the Marines, but it's like he could never get even like a foothold anywhere to stay, never mind build a life, never mind build a community because, you know, he was uh, orphaned when he was very young and he was kind of passed around. He had one friend and that kind of ended very tragically. Obviously he was in prison. Then he was a pariah because he was an ex-con. So there was never even an opportunity for him to work, you know, because it sounds like he would get a job. He would pick fruit. He would work for a little bit. Somebody would find out about his past and then he would get fired. So I think for him, it's like, having Ellie's trust, even at the very beginning when he was like sleeping in the barn, but her trust to like be around her children, her trust to stay and work. And she never gave him kind of directives of like what to do every day. He could just do whatever he felt like he wanted to do. And he had pride in, in the home. And then when he, you know, meets Mrs. Beasley and, and that's such a beautiful relationship, the two of them. And and when she gives him the keys, it's, it's sort of like, a makes everything feel more permanent or makes it feel like you're being trusted. So I get what that really meant for him too. Mm-hmm. And I, and think, I love, yeah. oh, sorry. No, uh, I just, you go. <laughs> and I think the thing about him serving, it's, it was so scary. I think I knew obviously he was going to survive, but um, him coming back with severe PTSD and trust issues and all of and guilt 
And I think that this book does a good job of showing that of you can't go to Guadalcanal, you can't kill people in war and not be affected by it and not Mm -hmm. come back different. And I think that was my big fear when Will went to war. It's like you don't come back and you're not the same person. And not that Will was innocent, obviously. He was an Mm -hmm. ex-con. But, you know, I think of, uh, you know, that miniseries, The Band of Brothers from the early 2000s. Yes. Um, My father and I were listening to a podcast about that book with Ron Livingston, who was one of the lead actors. And he was like, you know, it was so odd. We made this this show to show how awful war is and how brutal it is and how disgusting it is and how cruel it is. And he was like, it was very strange because then people came and they were like, oh, I wanted to join and I wanted to join the the airborne because because I saw how cool it was in this show. <laughs> and it's this idea of like how to adequately represent how horrible war is. You know, I don't know. I just found it interesting because it does seem to be this thing that people can go and and win glory and you think it's going to be I'm going to serve my country um and and obviously people should have pride in that and people should have people who served should have pride and and I'm not taking anything away but I think there's another aspect to war and combat that just isn't talked about very much that is that alters people's psyche in a way that I don't know is um given its due you know I don't know maybe I'm like misspeaking or something but well, there's a generation of people who joined the military during this that that whole long post 9/11 Iraq mm-hmm. and Afghanistan occupation that were in everybody's the background like not even in the way that World War II was everybody was involved everybody was aware that this war was going on Vietnam, same thing. Mm-hmm. Th- these wars, you know, there were people over there for a decade more, and they were just in the background. It wasn't being really covered. And they're coming in and they've seen horrible things and they're walking around and they're not getting the help that they need. Yeah. They're not getting the understanding that they need, that they lived a whole different 20s than like I did. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that is something that we don't think about. I think what I loved, I don't think, I know, what I loved about this book was when he signs up, he's talking about, I want to go over there. I want to kill the enemy. He uses derogatory terms for the enemy that were, you know, they used at the time. When he comes home, Donald asked him, did you kill anybody? Did you kill anybody? Did you kill any of the blank blanks? And he's he's he says, yeah, and it's not it's not what you think. They're just people like us. Right. And I I love that because if this book would have been he still loved the glory of war and loved the the killing of the enemy and found pride in that. I guess I would have been okay. I okay. But he really does show that face of they were just like us. Right. These 
obscure, like these, these um, people who seem so different were just in the shit like we were. Right. And we're trying to survive like we were. And I love that. And it wasn't like hit hard. It just was a simple conversation. And I love that because it mm-hmm. did show you can try to find glory in war, but there's no glory in war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because his he makes another friend um, in basic training and they get like shipped out together and and the friend ends up dying and Will ends up is injured. That's what earns Will his his purple heart. And obviously Will was trying to save his friend and didn't. Will has a lot of guilt about that fact. And we're talking about Otis, aka Red. Red, yeah. Who he dragged into a foxhole that then got blown up. Right. So there's no way Will t- could know that was what was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like he was trying to do the right thing. But uh, something that I th- I found so interesting is Ellie then thinking, you know, he, he doesn't really want to talk about it for a long time. And then he gets a letter from Red's fiance and he can't even bring himself to read the letter. And he goes mm-hmm. and he sits and Ellie like lets him go off on his own for a while. And then she goes to find him. And, and finally he tells her everything that happened with Red. And she's kind of like, he's only had two friends in his whole life and one accused him of murder and one died and he feels guilty for it and how awful that is. Yeah. You know? And yet. Yeah. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. It's just hard because this book, I love this book so much and I just don't (laughs) know if I'm doing a good job of saying how much I loved it because I I think it is those moments where they're crying together, where they're able Mm -hmm. to cry and hold each other. It's like, truly intimate things that make people connected to each other and vulnerable that I think it's so refreshing to see that because love isn't just about those good, happy times, right? It's about sharing those real deep, insecurities and hoping that somebody doesn't look differently at you. And when he gets arrested for Lula's murder, that split second where he could see Ellie questioning whether he did it or not shatters him. Yeah. And you're right. You said earlier that the reason why this trial happens is to show how much the community has come to embrace both of them. That, I think, is so true. And I think it needed to happen for her to go to town and all these different things and the dramatic elements of it. But when it happens, I was so upset because Lula was a cartoon. Lula, I think, is the is the part of the book that is most upsetting to me. Because she's given no dignity. Here's a, here's a woman that is in a town she doesn't want to be in. She doesn't have an opportunity to get out of there. So what she wants to do is live a glamorous life in, where she can and she takes advantage of these scummy guys. 
And I think she sees in Will somebody who's, yes, she thinks he's attractive, but I also do think, I may be reading into it, she sees a kind man. She sees a mm-hmm. good man. And she hasn't been around a lot of good men. And she wants that. And I don't know if she knows how to get it other than making herself up. And, you know, Laverle Spencer is a great author. I love this book. She's a great writer. But the lack of sympathy, the lack of any sort of real character she gives Lula is 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 very much sticks out like a sore thumb. Right. I think where every every other characterization is so pitch perfect and all the other character arcs are so subtle and beautiful to watch. Then by comparison, Lula ends up being all the more like harsher. Because I think that, like you said with Lula too, and something that Gladys Beasley says is like before the war, women couldn't really do anything. Like Gladys is a librarian and she's treated like the town pariah because she's like a woman with a job. And Lula likes the finer things in life. And like, listen, I don't begrudge anybody who likes material things. I think it's like normal. And there's, there's no opportunity for Lula to get those things that she wants without kind of exploiting herself in that way. I don't know, but it's like, you're right. Like this is a woman who does not have much opportunity, who is kind of stuck in this place. She doesn't want to be. And yeah, she goes about it the wrong way. I would say sleeping with married men is not a good thing to do, but she, you know, she has faults and yeah, the way that she's treated, I think is really unfair. And the way that she, and the way that she acts also, like, even if you are somebody who is, super horned up you I she just didn't feel like a real person in the way that everybody else felt like a very real person you know and I think it was it's it's an unfair characterization and I'm sure I mean this book was written in 1989 I I'm sure now looking at this book or or were Laverelle Spencer to write this book today she would probably handle it differently you know but um, yeah, I agree. Like, I think we had to touch down on Lula because she's like ultimately kind of a tragic figure. She ends up getting pregnant by her boyfriend, Harvey Overmeyer. He decides he doesn't want to be with her. He wants to stay with his wife. And he, the solution he has is to murder her, which is tragic and upsetting and really sad because she's a human yeah. being. <laughs> human being should and not he be does killed. It- he does it because he knows Will will be the perfect person to blame. Well, also, he has a lot of animosity towards Will because he fired Will. Then, you know, Will takes up with Ellie. He goes, like, joins the Marines. He is injured in battle in this, like, very famous battle and comes home and everybody is kind of in awe of him. He's got a purple like, heart. Rightfully so. And H- Harvey's over here. He's cut off his finger. This is a guy that he didn't even want to employ in the short term. And he's jealous. And I think for Harvey, it's like he has a lot of pride and he wants to be seen as a certain way in the community in a way that like he just won't be seen. It's so true that everybody is the hero in their own story because we get a glimpse into Harvey's mind before mm-hmm. he kills Lula. And he says... Nobody knows the courage it takes to cut off one of your fingers, <laughs> to put your finger through a blade, 
Yeah. It's true. It's kind of like, true, yeah. but it's also fucked up. <laughs> I I thought that too. I was like, he's not wrong. I wouldn't do it, but <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah. But see, he even he is given a little bit more dignity than she is, and he is right. the pure villain of this book. Right. And exactly. I loved the relationship with books in this book. I loved mm-hmm. how they, Ellie and Will, were educating themselves outside of schooling. And Mrs. Miss Be- Beasley was she was kind of a cartoonish character, but it worked for me. Other than the fact that she's described as barrel shaped and all these other kind of yeah uh like cartoonish ways of saying that she's an older woman but i thought it was very sweet i love the scene where he comes to the library can't get a card but then sits and doesn't move and reads in the correct way and the way she looks at him and thinks I like him because of he goes by all my rules that I've set up in my head for what's appropriate. <laughs> I felt like her at the moment because I would totally do that if I worked at a library. Yeah. I'd be like, they're reading wrong. <laughs> they're, yeah, that's not how you do it. I'd be so annoyed at everything. And somebody like Will who comes in and reads and is quiet and sits and doesn't fidget, I'd be like, I like that person. Yeah, and puts so, the books back where he found them. You got to put everything back where you found it. Jeez, it's not hard, people. I but, love, yeah, Gladys. Y- I think she started as a bit of a caricature, but then you really do see her humanity over time. And I loved her by the end. At the end, she ends up taken up with a lawyer who she knew in high school who like had a crush on her in high school. And I'm like, I love that. I can get it, Mrs. Beasley. I loved it. I, I thought that was perfect. And it made me so happy. And she's such a beautiful person and i think like growing up i definitely like knew gladys beasley's <laughs> mm-hmm. you know these women who seemed very tough and i think they were tough because the world was tough with them um but are actually like quite kind and observant and want to do the right thing like i loved that she just shows up at ellie's cuz she remembers ellie as a child and obviously everybody kind of knows the story of of Ellie's family. And I just love the way that she starts is like, we got to get these kids reading. And she starts like telling them the different stories and brings the kids books because Ellie isn't comfortable bringing the kids into town, but she still wants to impart that knowledge and have them have that positive experience with books. And I thought that was so important too. I loved it. And I loved Will and her's relationship because he did love her. Like he, and it's not, patronizing or it's he truly felt a connection to her and loved her and when he pecked her on the cheek and when she shows up to at the train oh god to yeah yeah, to to say goodbye to him before he goes off to the to the war and he kisses her on the mouth it's like that's true affection between Mm -hmm. him and her and he doesn't do it in a way where it's like, I'll throw this lady a bone. It's like, no, she has helped him in so many ways. And it is, it's a, you're, you're so right about the community aspect of romance, but especially this one too, because 
it does show what love can do for you. It can mm-hmm. make you feel better about yourself. It can make you feel like a good person. It can make you feel like somebody's worth, you're worth people's time, you know? Right. And I think we look past those kind of things nowadays and don't realize that fundamentally everybody wants those things. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to th- to feel like they're a good person. And it, it's it's so laid out in this book in such a beautiful way. Yeah. You know, like I feel that I definitely feel that way. I definitely feel like I think at the end of the day, I just want people to think that I'm an asset, you know, (laughs) in in the sense of not an asset in, you know, the business sense of an asset, but that I make their life better by Mm -hmm. knowing me. And I think fundamentally that is what I want from my relationships. Right. Yeah. it's, it's It's a spectacular book. And I think- if you can get past Lula and how she's treated, the the only other thing was like I said, he uses some uh, he uses some derogatory terms when he's talking about people that they're fighting in the war. But you know, th- if that's something that offends you, I understand. But it's used very sparingly, and by the end, he does not feel that way. Yeah, and he never had hate for them. That was just the terms that they used at the time. Right. And I but, think th- there was this nationalistic uh, sentiment, obviously, throughout the country of us versus them, which is what you need when a country is going to war. You need to kind of yeah. sow that idea, which is bad. <laughs> you know, it is um, bad. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing that I want to touch down really quickly, because I know we're like almost at an hour <laughs> and we still I have, can like, talk about this book for a thousand years. Oh, 100 percent. But I, to talk about the bees as a kind of like a metaphor yes for it's a through line for the book that i think is so beautiful because ellie's first husband is like not a bad guy like i liked how he wasn't like he didn't he never hurt her he was kind to her he just kind of was somebody who had a lot of dreams and would start a lot of projects and just not finish any which meant Mm -hmm. that like everything in the house was a mess the yard was a mess. There was a ton of like started projects that weren't finished. And, and you know, he decided he wanted to be a beekeeper, but because he didn't want to take the time, he ended up getting stung by a swarm and he ends up dying. And so that's, she buries him and that's sort of what happens to the first husband. And Will, you know, doesn't want to take that on and he's kind of fascinated by the bees so first he takes a lot of time and he educates himself about the bees and then he decides to start working with the bees and ellie is terrified because at this time she is like has feelings for him and is scared of the bees because obviously her husband died i love that scene where she goes in and he's like yeah i was working with the bees and she just gets so mad she starts throwing eggs at him and that's when he fell in love with her. <laughs> that's he when fell he in realizes love with her he loves when, her. Yeah. Yep. Is when she threw an egg at him and he runs out laughing. Right. Because I think not, he knows. Not cruelly. Not no. cruelly. But, but think, because he's happy that she cares. That's the thing. Is like 
he at first he's like shocked by it. And then he's like, oh, like you wouldn't be throwing eggs at me, mad at me that I might have hurt myself if you didn't care about me. And that's what he kind of realizes. And they, she's like, no, I want you to leave. I want you to leave. And for a second, I was like, God, you can't tell Will to leave. He's been told to leave too many times. But I know he doesn't believe it. And then he's like, actually, let's just get married instead. And she's like, yeah, might as well. <laughs> um, I know. It's these two lonely people trying to communicate with each other. And it's just so don't beautiful. don't have the tools in a yeah. way that felt real. Because obviously, there are so many romance heroes, too, that like, have the bad dads, have a bad upbringing, and then they just kind of, like, act in these, like, weird, irrational ways. Mm -hmm. And this book, it felt like this is how somebody would act. Like, they just would not have the tools for how to ask for the things they want emotionally, for how to react appropriately to things, to how to weather an upset. You know, you just wouldn't have those tools. You wouldn't know how to act. And Will does. But with the bees, so he like works with the bees. He gets honey from the bees. That's sort of how he's able to go into town. He starts selling it. And when he goes to war and comes home, I love that moment too, because he hasn't told her that he's coming home. And he goes into the house and he's all alone in the house. And he's like, oh, I kind of like that I have this moment of peace, of, of quiet mm -hmm. before I see them. And she's tending to the bees. I and love that. I love she's sort that of taken, so much. Yeah, like through him and through his patience, she has is able to have the bravery to overcome her own fears. And ultimately, the honey is what she goes around town handing out to people while he's in prison to try to get them to do things for her. So thank mm -hmm. God he did that. But I, that was, that was beautiful too. Just a yeah, really good it, book. It's just, yeah, these, these simple things that the people in it do to make themselves better. Mm -hmm. They're just so simple like that. Like her overcoming that fear, her interacting with people like she's never done before, like having a friendship. Yeah. with Lydia. These are just small things that I think people take for granted. If it's easy for you to make friends, it is. But for someone like her to have Lydia and Mrs. Beasley in her life are huge, huge steps in her evolution. Mm -hmm. And it's just lovely. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, here's, okay. Here's the big question. Wait, before we do and that, it, I I okay. do want to hear the part that you cried at. Well, we're going to get to that in Goodreads, right? I don't know that we are. Okay, well, it was when... Oh, it... Yeah, we... Okay, no, never mind. We will. Okay. Okay. Let's let's save it. Because <laughs> we got to talk about whether we'd fuck these characters or not, which seems so... Insane. Like insane to ask that question about this book it, i mean no it feels I don't crass so. uh, yeah it feels i crass. couldn't i couldn't i couldn't i like in the one interpretation of this question which is do we love these characters a hundred percent yes in the brass brass tacks of would we copulate with them no. And the reason being is that they're both so fragile and they both so just need each other that getting in the way of that feels malicious to me. 
Mm-hmm. Agreed. Oh, how and I'm the- afraid Will would kill me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> how about the now moment when he's on trial and Lydia's on the stand and she's testifying to like how their relationship is and she spills the beans that Ellie is pregnant and Will just like stands up <laughs> like he doesn't know what mm-hmm. to do. Oh, that was gorgeous God. too. I mean, and he returns, and that's the that's the the house he stole the clothes from and the yeah. buttermilk, and he returns. He can't return the buttermilk, but he gives her honey, mm-hmm. returns the clothes, and that's what starts the relationship where he's like, I'm going to war, and her husband's going has already gone to war, and he's like, can you check in on my wife? And mm-hmm. at first she's hesitant because she knows the story, and then he says, hey, she's not what you think. She's smarter. She's She's a better person than everybody thinks, and so... That starts the relationship, and it's so sweet. He wants to make right, yeah, what he he did wrong, and I feel like that is just a really powerful thing. And that moment too, when he's in, you know, he, Ellie has doubted him, and that has cut him so deeply. He just isn't able to forgive her for that moment. So even though she's like running herself ragged, trying to get him out of prison. He doesn't know that's happening necessarily and he can't bring himself to apologize because he keeps mm-hmm. thinking of reasons why not to or he's like, well, I can't touch her or there's somebody else in the room. Like I, I feel uncomfortable saying this in front of somebody and how it breaks Ellie. She thinks that he has fallen out of love with her and Mrs. Beasley has to go in and be like, listen up, you fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. She's she's going crazy for you. She's doing all these things to make it right. And she had one moment of weakness and you're going to continue to punish her for it. Like it's cruel. Yeah. But he doesn't have the, they don't have the opportunity to talk. But then after he's acquitted, um, that scene where everybody in the courtroom is cheering and everybody wants to like congratulate. Well, and they are just like running towards each other and like only see each other in that moment, kind of without having to say like that they're sorry, they're able to, to come together. I love that. That was gorgeous. Yeah. A great ending. Yeah. All right. Should we do Goodreads list? Let's do it. So favorite historical Western romance novels. Now Georgia isn't the West, is it? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, he did have a hat that he loved. So that's why. Texas. Yeah, Western, I wouldn't say that it is. I would say, though, favorite historical romance novels, yes. I think it also, it has the vibe of a Western. I think a lot of Westerns end up being about, like, small towns, kind of, like, homesteading, farms. Like, so I, the Stranger vibe is there. Stranger comes to town. yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. the vibe is there, even though if it isn't necessarily geographically a Western. Yeah. The best of the best romance novels of the 20th century. Yes. All right, here we go. Cry, tearjerker romances. Let's hear it, Clayton. When I cried was when I found out that his friend Otis died. Yeah. That was heartbreaking to me because of how lonely he'd been. He'd only had that one friend who betrayed him. The way that he talked about how him and Otis bonded and the fact that Otis died and he blames himself. Mm -hmm. That really got to me. Yeah. 
And I did cry reading that segment. Historical romance where heroine gets pregnant in large part of the story. Yeah, he helps her give birth. (laughs) We haven't even talked about that great scene. That's crazy. And he's so scared Mm -hmm. and he gets a book about it and thinks that he could maybe do it. And then he just he's reading the book. and He's like, I can't I can't do this. I can't (laughs) do this. And she's like, I've done it before. I'll do it by myself and him running around and doing everything. And that was such a great scene. And then he's so happy, even though it's not his. Mm -hmm. And he's just so happy. He's like, I'm going to spend so much time with you. I'm going to love you so much. It was just really sweet. Yeah. Slow romance. It it definitely is slow. It's slow in the sense of, you know, physicality happens so slowly in this yeah. book. But it's so worth it and you understand why it happens the way it happens, but yes, yeah. slow. A hundred historical romances to read before you die. Yeah, I mean, I would say so. Definitely. A, a, certainly a hundred. Yeah. Um yeah. Pregnant widows slash abandoned heroines and romance. Yes, she's a pregnant widow. Uh, yes, pregnant widow. Ex-convict romances. He is an ex-convict. Sweetest romance ever. Yes, I think this book is incredibly sweet. Yeah, tortured heroes of historical romance. Yeah, he's torture. He's tortured. He torture. <laughs> he is tortured. He is tortured in several different ways. Yeah. Uh, historical romance, marriage of convenience slash arranged marriage. Yes. Yeah. Farmers and romance. Mm-hmm. Guilty verdict, hero or heroine accused a, or convicted of crime they didn't commit. Yeah. So he was accused of the murder of Lula. Mm-hmm. And he was not convicted, but he was convicted of the actual murder he of did. someone he, yeah, he actually did murder. Quiet, unassuming heroines. Yeah. I mean, she is she, if, quiet. Outside, like, she's a recluse. She is a recluse. But yeah, when you get to know her, she's got so much. Oh, yeah. Totally. Homeless romance hero or heroine. Yeah. He was a, he was a, he was a vagrant. Mm-hmm. He was a vagabond, if you will. <laughs> Intelligent romance. Mm-hmm. That's always so strange to me because I'm like, what's an unintelligent romance? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I guess so. They read books and stuff. Um, yeah. Romance novels to reread again and again. I'll definitely reread parts of this. Uh-huh. Letter writing couples, historical romance. Yes, we get letter writing in here too where that moment where she gets the the letter stop and then she gets that official letter. Yeah. From where he's been hurt, I, I can't even imagine. And then I can't you have to even wait imagine like a that month being the to fo- find out what happens. Yeah, that form of communication, just yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't imagine it because the entire time he's at war, other than that, when she goes to visit him on leave, it's all just told through letters, which I thought mm-hmm. was such a brilliant idea, like such a brilliant way to to experience what that would have been like. Because also, mm-hmm. like, the letters don't come in order. So it's, like, two letters yes. from Ellie and then one, like, oh, I just got these two. You know what I mean? It's just, it's it's so interesting. A um, few from, from Mrs. Beasley. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's so great. Buzzed, <laughs> beekeeping and romance novels. Mm-hmm. 
illegitimate heroes and heroines. She's illegitimate. I guess we could just assume he is too. I mean, we don't know anything about his parents. Yeah. Yeah. He never had a mom too. And that's one of the reasons why he falls in love with her because she's such a great mom. That's the thing that is interesting about this book is he talks, he thinks about how, and I think he eventually tells her like he sees her as kind of a mother and a wife, which I think is, you know, not great. (laughs) I think that's a problem, but like he needs that. Like he has never felt that all encompassing love that people, some people get from a, a, like that maternal love. And Mm -hmm. he needs that as much as he needs the romantic love too. Yeah. Uh, He ain't the daddy. He's not, but he's the father. Yes. And he is of the fourth child. Romance novels with great childbirth scenes. That is a fantastic. That was an awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome scene. Absolutely unique romance books. I mean, I don't know how unique this is, and that's not a knock on it. Right. Because it is definitely like a time and place that is well worn. I would but, I would say for romance though, like romance is set in the 30s and 40s. Oh, I guess this is all in the 40s. Like there's not a ton of them. You know? I guess. Yeah. I guess I don't know enough to not know. Yeah. Um I think it's fairly unique. I don't know, but it, you know, whatever. Keep it on the list anyway. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think this is a singular book. Right. Bountiful Hearts romance is set in an orchard, vineyard, winery, or farm. Yes, it's a farm. And then finally, the big one for you that I can't believe we have not touched on. She cuts his hair. Yes, I love all the hair cutting in this book. And then when she sees his military haircut, she's so disappointed. Yeah. I mean, the moment that that happens really early where she cuts his hair and him just. Loves how, it. Yeah, because he's so starved for touch that her mm. cutting his hair is like he like closes his eyes. It's like it's such an overwhelming feeling for him. I love that. Yeah, he's he's very tactile. Mm hmm. He loves and he is very focused on that kind of stuff, like his head getting rubbed and things like that, which who doesn't like that? Who doesn't like someone's fingers through their hair? I love it. Right. Well, I think, too, like that's something that he sees with her. Like she's always touching her children. You know, she's Mm -hmm. always like asking them questions or touching their hair or holding them or rubbing their backs or just like the way that, you know, some others do with her kids and he has no memory of anyone doing that for him. And also like, yeah, as an adult man, it's like, unless you are in a relationship with somebody, like you're probably not touched very much and that can be so isolating. So like her cutting his hair or those things, it means so much more to him. Cause it's like, he doesn't get it very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Human uh, touch is so undervalued as, yeah. as if, you know, for people's health, Mental and physical. Yeah, totally. Um, all right, Clayton. So what are your tropes? Well, haircutting <laughs> is the first one. Then convict hero. Mm-hmm. Reclusive heroine. 
pregnant heroine. Tragic backstory. You could say that for both of them. Wartime. Giving birth. And courtroom. It's just courtroom in here. Yeah. Those are my tropes. Oh, did I say marriage of convenience? Marriage of convenience. Yeah. Aaron, what are your tropes? So I have a recluse heroine, a drifter hero, kids in romance, separated by war, small town romance, depression era romance, pregnant heroine, hero accused of murder, birth in romance, forced proximity, marriage of convenience, farm life, main characters love each other but scared to say it. Heroine pregnant, not by the hero, and a homeless hero. I will say the other thing I loved about this book, and like you said before, we could this could be a seven-hour podcast fairly easily. Mm-hmm. But the way that time and place is woven so well into this book is amazing. Where people just talk about the things that are happening, and you just kind of figure out what it is in context. But it makes it feel so specific. In a way that I think sometimes authors struggle with, where you're like, well, I want you to know this historical fact, but so they kind of like ham-fisted in there and it's not really as, and it feels unnatural and it feels like the author is talking to you. Like, I want you to know what this is. As opposed to, I feel like this book, everything is woven so seamlessly in that like when a character mentions something that's like very historically specific, it doesn't feel like it's for my benefit. It's kind of like the way that they would speak to each other about this, which I thought was really yeah, good. Yeah, that's so true. Some authors would be like, I did all this research. Look at how much research I did. And that's not what this book is. No. So it's like even like him driving away with his lights off. And it's like, yeah, because you there was like um, blackouts like you, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, guys. Thank you for recommending this book. If you haven't read this book, read this book. It's amazing. Um, So there was a movie made with Christopher Reeve in the early 90s that we are 100% going to watch and review. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll probably end up just talking about the book on that episode too, I imagine. Yes. Um, But yeah, any final thoughts or anything, Clayton? Well, we got to swoon. I know, but before, about the book before we go into swoons. No, I mean, I loved it. Again, I said earlier, thank you. And you also thanked everybody who recommended this. I can't wait to dive deeper into that list of biggies that you guys came up with on our troop. So if if the books are half as good as this, I'll be so excited. Yeah. All right. All right, Clayton. So what has you swooning this week other than Morning Glory? (laughs) Who just swooned about the book? I mean, Morning Glory did take up a lot of my mind and my heart during this past week. But something else finally came into my life after a long, long wait. And that is the movie Deep Water. Oh, God. Starring Ben Affleck and uh, Anna DeArmas. Don't hide your feelings, Aaron. Get your feelings out. (laughs) 
It's an erotic thriller. <laughs> okay, you got. I don't do this for your swoons. No, I'm sorry. I'm stop. It's not a perfect film. All right, but I enjoyed it. We need more erotic thrillers, and like I said, it's not perfect. It's not even good, but I loved it, and I loved watching it. And I wish it was it would have been in the theaters, and that's all I'll say, because I don't feel supported right now. I mean, Ben Affleck is a movie star, and Ben Affleck in that movie was fantastic. Okay, you watched it. I know you watched it because you watched it with with uh, producer Patty. Yes. Yes, and you did not like it. I'm sure. No. Okay. But I agree that it is in the way that like the room is a movie that people will continue to watch. I feel like people are going to be watching deep water for a while. I find it disrespectful that you would (laughs) think it is not the room. The room was made by a complete psycho, like insane person with no talent whatsoever. This movie was put together by extremely talented people. It just doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Anyway. I, it, it's Yeah. All right, listen. You can swoon about whatever you want to swoon about. True. And and Aaron, what are you swooning about? And I will not make commentary during it. What have I already swooned about single drunk female? I couldn't remember if I did or not. You did not, I don't think. Okay. So single drunk female is a TV show. The first season is completed. It you can watch it on Hulu or Freeform. And um, so you can binge the whole thing if you want. And it's basically just the story of this woman who's an alcoholic and she has to move home from New York to like Methuen, Mass. I don't know where she is actually in Massachusetts, but she and it's about her kind of like getting sober. It's very funny. It's very well done. Ali Sheedy plays her mom, which is always exciting to see Ali Sheedy. And um, it's really well written and really funny. And it's. It's great. So if you are looking for a good show to watch, then check out Single Drunk Female. Great. I respect your opinion. Clayton, you legitimately <laughs> enjoy Deep Water. You're, you're messing with me. I enjoyed the experience of it. Yes. Why? Do, I said what about it's the exper- not a good movie. What about the experience did you enjoy? Seeing a big star in an erotic movie and... Uh, Anna Diarmas, I thought was captivating. I don't think she was good in it, but I, there's so. Uh, listen, this isn't a deep water. Maybe we should do a deep water pod. <laughs> I won't. I said I enjoyed the experience of watching that film uh, greatly. It tickled me. Tracy Letts was great in it. Tracy Letts is yeah. great in everything. That's true. I just really liked the experience of that movie. I think you can enjoy an experience of a movie and not necessarily think the the movie is good. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Anyway, and I'm not mad. I was. I am just playing with you. That obviously it's a ridiculous film. So <laughs> if you wanted to laugh at it, that's fine. I was just playing. No, I know. I know. Just for, so the people know, it's. You know, I was playing indignant. <laughs> I'm a sag. I'm sag after. So that's why it seemed so realistic. He guys, he is. He's a union man. 
Not um, paid up, though. Oh, you haven't paid up? Gotta get those screeners. Oh, it was the pandemic. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not pay- I didn't pay my dues during the pandemic. There was no work. True. So, Aaron. Yeah. Where can they find us? So, you can always... Uh, Email us at learningthetropespodcast.com. Any of your recommendations. Um, we're on Twitter at Learning Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook troop if you want to join us there. You can add to the biggie list. That's ongoing. So for always. Um, we have merch, which is linked below. And then finally, don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. It's how other people find us. So we really would appreciate it. Uh, if you guys could take the time to do that. And then finally, like we said, we're on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com and just search learning the tropes, you'll find us if you want to join up. Like we said, we're probably going to be reviewing the Morning Glory movie. Um, We've reviewed Starstruck, uh, the HBO series. We've reviewed uh, British Bake Off, all kinds of things. It's a fun place to be. Um, So yeah, come join us. Oh, yeah. And we're going to be off next week. So no new episode. Maybe we'll repost an old favorite. Um, But just so you guys know, but we will be back the following week in April. And uh, we will see you then. Yeah. Until then, happy reading. Happy reading. Bye, guys.